So welcome, thank you for coming to Gateway Taze Valley. I'm the campus minister, my name is Jed Warline, and we're excited, glad to see you guys. And uh, um, so first off, I just wanna say happy Thanksgiving. I know uh, we might not see you guys before Thursday, but I wanna just say from our staff, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, be careful wherever you're traveling or uh, where, whoever's traveling to your house, we'll be praying for safety for them. I love Thanksgiving. Uh, this year, we, we get to, I think we get to go home and, uh, you know, we get to visit family. I haven't seen my sister in two years. I haven't seen uh, one set of niece and nephews for about two years. So we get to go home and spend some time with them, which because I love because I'm the fun uncle. You know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm the uncle that I will start a food fight and, and uh, blame it on the one-year-old. That's what I do. And uh, so I love being with my nieces and nephews. And uh, we get to go home. We get to see both uh, sets of parents. And um, we have nine nieces and nephews we get to see. And uh, so I pray for sanity, actually. So, um, but uh, I love Thanksgiving. Uh, I think we all have something in common. You know, when everyone goes to Thanksgiving dinner, um, you guys go down the line, you know, on each side, and there's at least one dish. You have to ask this question, what is it, right? We all have that one, that one relative that brings that one dish. It's green, but they say it's banana pudding, you know? And, and uh, so uh, be careful on Thursday when... Uh, choosing your meal selection. All right, so we are going to wrap up our Sermon on the Mount. We're in week 10. I know this is a long series, and uh, um, I, think, I think we did it for a reason. And the reason why is we just wanted to slow down. The Sermon on the Mount has a lot of, lot of different topics, a lot of topics that we need to talk about. And so that's why we kind of slowed it down and broke it up, uh, broke it up in 10 weeks. So this will be our last week, and then next week we get to talk about our Foundation Sunday. We get to talk about the, the one topic in the Bible that I love to talk about the most, and that we're going to talk about heaven next week. Uh, so that should get you excited. I love talking about heaven. And then we'll go into our Christmas series, which is called Overjoyed. But for now, we are in the Sermon on the Mount, as you guys saw in the video. If you guys have never watched the Chosen series, that was uh, the, final, uh, the, the, the final clip from his Sermon on the Mount. Like we talked about for the last 10 weeks, the Sermon on the Mount was roughly a 15 to 20 minute sermon. It wasn't that long. You know, when, when you read it at your own pace, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. So Jesus was up in front of everybody for 15 to 20 minutes. And I mean, he, he tackled some really tough topics. And the one topic that I believe that uh, he, he touched on the most is the one that we touched on pretty heavy last week. I will, I will put this out there. I beat you guys up pretty bad last week. Y'all laugh because you know I did. I talked about hell a lot. I'm not going to apologize, but I want to explain to you why I really, really, really talked about hell as much as I did. Church, hell is just as real as heaven is. It is. And you know, as a believer in Christ, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. But we have to know it's there. And so last week we talked about the narrow road and the wide road. We talked about what road we should choose. And, and we really dived into, there's only two ways. There's only two roads that you can choose. And I hope that put something in your heart to, to almost like a conviction that you have to choose. And I, I, I pray I gave you guys a challenge to kind of look inside your heart and kind of do a, 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 a Google Maps search and figure out what road you're on, right? 
And so, because there's only two. So we were talking last week, we're talking about the wide road and the narrow road. Church, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, he was trying to not convict the person, but Jesus was trying to put conviction in their heart. You understand what I'm saying? He wasn't telling them that they're these rotten, these, these nasty, these dirty people. He was saying all these things that I'm telling you not to do or telling you to stay away from, it's because the, of the condition of your heart. And he was trying to convict their heart because the Sermon on the Mount, it was to appeal to the heart. If you look at it, he was wanting to appeal to them that you need to have a sincere heart. What you do, what you say, how you treat people. You need to be sincere in doing that. I've said a couple times in this sermon series, we are lacking in this day and age people that are truly sincere. Amen? Well, we have people that have agendas that they're hiding behind what they do and what they say. But he says in the Sermon on the Mount, I want to appeal to your sincerity. And then he also says, I want to appeal to you being humble. Humility goes a long way in my book. Am I right? Humility should go a long way in your book as well. And the last one, he was trying to appeal to them to be faithful, to have faith in Jesus Christ and and I love that Jesus comes out and like, like the video showed and the, it shows that there was curtains and he walked out. And as far as the eye could see, Jesus could have said anything. Think about that. Jesus could have said anything he wanted to and they were going to listen. So that's why this Sermon on the Mount is so important because these are the things that he did say. But I love about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus came out, there was no long introduction like I do every Sunday. He came out and he got to the point. And Jesus comes out and he said, this is who I am. He says, this is who I am. What I am going to share with you is who I am. It's what I stand for. It's where I came from. It's what's going to happen. Jesus comes out and he just says, this is who I am. He tells them who he is. He's the son of God. Jesus doesn't say, I may be the son of God. Jesus doesn't say, you know, there's a chance that I'm the son of God. Jesus comes out, tells them exactly who he is. I'm the son of God. Jesus also comes out and he tells them why he came. He tells them why he came to this earth as a, as a man, half man, half heaven. He comes out, he says, this is why I came. I came so you could be saved by grace. And he comes out and he says, I have came because I want to tell you what your options are. Your option is one of two things, heaven or hell. He doesn't give them a, a, a huge variety of what options you have in life. He straight tells them, heaven or hell. He comes out. He's, he's just quick and, and just, I would say he's almost, he's getting to the, right to the point. And then he comes out and he says, this is how you do it. He says, you have to build your foundation on me. And then finally he says, there is going to be storms in your life. And he says, the only hope you have in that storm is me. Jesus doesn't say, you know what, when storms come, just grab a hold whatever you want to grab a hold of. He says, there's only one hope in every storm, and that's me. Jesus... Or, Jesus comes out and he gives the conclusion of the conclusion. We're going to get into that. But church, I beat you up pretty bad last week. 
I am going to preface the entire message by saying this. I am going to touch on a nerve that is going to bother all of you. Okay? I'm going to touch on a nerve that is sensitive to every person. And you're like, what is he going to talk about? Well, here it is. Church, you have a storm that should have defeated you. You went through a storm that should have knocked you out. You have a storm that you're in right now. Maybe there's, you just don't feel there's hope in it. You have a storm that you have either been through or you're in right now that doesn't make any sense to you. Church, we're going to answer all these questions about the storm, but, uh, and I said this in first service, I'm going to give you the punchline that comes at the end, at the beginning. The only hope you ever have in any storm is your foundation on Jesus Christ. That's it. And we're going to get through on how you can do that. And we're going to go through why it's important because the foundation, which is the solid rock of Christ I stand, is Jesus Christ. Now, so let's get into Scripture. We're going to be in Matthew 7, and we're going to start at verse 24. Then he says this. He said, like I said, he's wrapping up. This is his conclusion to his conclusion. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. 26 says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the storms rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is telling them, I don't care who you are, there is a storm with your name on it. There's multiple storms that are coming in your life with your name on it. Your only hope is to build your foundation on Jesus Christ. And he he uses a metaphor of how you build a house. If you look at how you build a house... If you spend and invest a lot of money in a home, you want to make sure the foundation is correct. You know, before you pour any footer, before you put any, uh, uh, anything down to, to set that house on, you bring in an inspector, you make sure it's up to code, you try to do everything you can so before you even build, you know that the foundation is strong enough to support that home for, for the entirety of its life. Church, why do we not have the same mentality towards our life? We try to put a foundation up when the storms are already over us. Can it be done? Yeah. Is it a lot easier if you have the foundation set before the storm even shows up? Absolutely. So Jesus says there is only one difference between how we handle a storm. He said you're going to handle the storm in two ways. Either you're wise about it, or you're foolish about it. He said, the wise knows who I am and builds their foundation on me. The foolish is trying to build your foundation on something that is not me. That, that, that maybe a lot of times when we build our foundation, some people have this attitude. I don't even need a foundation. If I don't have a foundation, I could go wherever I want, whenever I want. I can jump from one thing to another, one belief to another, but that's not what Jesus says. He says, you have to build your foundation on me. Church says, human beings, we do something very, very well. Man, do we not overcomplicate things. Everything. We overcomplicate the easiest instructions, 
Men, when we choose to use them, right? We overcomplicate the simplest warnings. Have you looked at some of these warnings on our everyday products? The thing that drives me crazy is that means somebody tried it. If you buy a new pack of metal forks, it says do not put in electrical outlets. That's a simple warning, but yet someone chose to do it. So that's why I'm saying we overcomplicate everything. Jesus and this part of the Sermon on the Mount, we've all heard this. It's not overcomplicated. It's literally cut and dry. If you build on me, you will sustain your life through these storms. If you don't, man, you're in trouble. But church, why do we overcomplicate this? Why do we get this messed up? Why do we flip them around? Church, that's a great question. But we're going to look at how the wise handle the storm, and we're going to look at how the foolish handle the storm. Proverbs 24.3, it says this, By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Church, storms are coming for the wise and the foolish. Storms are coming for us all. But the vast difference in storms is how you're living. Say you're living as a wise man. You're living a wise life. You built your foundations on Jesus Christ. The storm won't look as intimidating as it could because you have hope behind that storm. Amen? You have hope in that storm. So with being a wise person, a wise man or woman, it's not as intimidating as it could be. Also, the storm... Maybe it doesn't look as lengthy as it should be. When you have built your foundation on Jesus Christ, you know that there is an end to that storm. Amen? You know that that storm is not going to be forever. But you can only have that attitude if you're wise. Also, if you're wise and in a storm, it doesn't feel as lonely. Church, you know what I'm saying. You've been in a storm been out of a storm, coming into a storm, you're going to feel like you're by yourself. You're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel like you're the only one that has ever been through this. But church, if you are in a storm and you are wise and your foundation is where it should be, church, you are never alone. God puts people in your life strategically for the storms that you're in. So if you're wise, the storms don't look as lonely as what they could. And this one, I don't ever prompt you guys to say amen. This one deserves it. If you are wise and you build your foundation on Jesus Christ, that storm doesn't stand a chance. It doesn't. I don't care how destructive it is. I don't care how powerful it is. I don't care how out of control or how lengthy this storm is. If you're wise and your foundation is Jesus Christ, it hasn't got a shot. Not even close. I've been a basketball coach for years. Being a good basketball coach, I believe that I will never lose. That's stupid. <laughs> because nobody has ever coached the entirety of their life and never lose the game. There's been games I come into that I really had to think to myself, like, oh, man, we don't have a shot. Right? 
We, you come in and, and they're playing a defense you've never seen. You, they're playing an offense you've never seen. They're, they're, they're 20 inches taller than everybody on your team. They're faster. You have to kind of think, man, I don't have a shot. When it comes to the storms in your life, if you are built on foundation, that should not be a thought that goes through your mind. That intimidation factor that you look at, that shouldn't cross your mind because there's not a storm that Satan can whip up that will ever defeat Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not. So if you're wise and the storm is coming, that storm doesn't stand a chance. So what if you're foolish? What if you're foolish and you're in a storm? Proverbs 12, 15, it says this. It says, the way of fools seem right to them. Have you guys ever done anything so foolish at the time you thought you were in the right? Have you ever been doing something like, man, this is, this is, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. And you look back at it and you're like, man, that was dumb, right? We've all been teenagers. We've all done that. Well, he says in scripture, he says, the ways of fools seem right to them. When you're living foolish, you think you're in the right. You think you're doing what benefits you. And so to you, you feel like that's right. But it says, no, it says, if you live as a foolish man, those storms that come, you don't stand a chance. That's the vast difference between living on the rock of Jesus Christ and living on a, a foundation that is weak and soft. As, on the foundation, that storm doesn't stand a chance, but if you're on that weak foundation, you don't stand a chance. Church, I'm going to tell you this, and it has to go along with last week. The mortality rate of hell is 100%. You don't stand a chance. If you are not living and based your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, it breaks my heart to say this. Church, you don't stand a chance in any storm. So the storm for the foolish, the lasting effects, they're going to be way worse than what we ever expected. If you're foolish and a storm comes... <laughs> You're going to be fighting that storm for as long as you do not change what foundation you stand on. Another one is the storm for the foolish. You know how confusing that is? When a storm comes and you just don't know where the hope is going to come from. You don't know where the end is going to come from. If you are foolish and not living on the foundation you're supposed to, storms are going to confuse you to no end. You're going to not know which way is up. Storms can be so intimidating to the foolish. Even the smallest storms can intimidate you to the point that you make decisions that you should never make. And the last one is this. The storm, if you are foolish, it will destroy you. There will be catastrophic loss of everyone that lives foolishly. Our foundations need to be on Jesus Christ the Savior, amen. amen? Every day, every storm, every trial you go through. I had someone tell me, you know, this storm I'm in now, it's just, it's a little one. And I was like, what's a little storm look like? They're like, well, I brought it on myself. You know, I can end this storm whenever I want to. Church, the littlest storm can turn into the greatest hurricane if you let it. The storms don't have a chance unless you give it a chance. Church, so 
We're going to do something a little different today. So when we look at our lives, every single one of you have the same, same chance of storms as I do. We all go into storms every day. I want you guys to take just a couple seconds. Look back in your life. Maybe look back this week and look at a storm that you have been through. Have you ever looked at it from this perspective? Would I have made it through if my foundations were not on Jesus Christ? I can almost guarantee you, you will say no. Have you guys ever looked back on a storm that you went through and you're like, how did I get through that? I bet we've all asked ourselves that. Well, the simple answer is Jesus Christ. So we're going to bring up two individuals, and they've both been through storms in their life recently. And I'm going to bring up uh, Eric and Debbie, and they're going to share their testimony with you. They're going to share about how they went through these storms, and there's no way they could have got through it unless they were built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. So if you guys would like to come up, and um, I want to give them so much appreciation for willing to to, to do this, because I know this, uh, uh, this, is, this could be, you know, very intimidating. But uh, um, so, Debbie, you go first. Good morning. A lot more of you all in second service than there is in first service. <laughs> um, Wednesday night, we were finishing up small group, and I saw him come through the double doors, and I said, shh, shh there's a pastor. Somebody's in trouble. And he said, yes, I'd like to speak to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he asked me if I would be willing to stand up and uh, say a little bit about what has happened in the last couple years for me. And I brought up his quote from last week of a no answer is a no answer. And I said, yes, but I meant no, but here I am. <laughs> he has that way. Um, last year... I lost my husband and my mom, my mother-in-law, and a parent, which I did not mention, all within 11 months. And the loss, I can't explain. The loneliness, the tears, the not wanting to get out of bed. But yet I did, and I thank God that I have the desire. I don't feel like I'm here because I should be. I have a desire to be here. I don't spend enough time in His Word but I love him, and I love this church. And for anybody who doesn't have a home church, you've got to get that base someplace that you can call home. Um, there's a lot of times when just going home to my two dogs is a little lonely, but I have this family, and when I lost everybody, um, my small group, my friends in here, they all come to the rescue, and I'm, I do mean rescue. Wednesday night when he asked me that, I had been telling Trudy and some other friends, I miss testimonies. I miss going to the altar. A lot. Because you can learn a lot from somebody else's heartache. And Trudy on the way out, she tapped my shoulder and she says, Tag, you're it. You're about to start it. <laughs> but I got covid November two years ago, and Randy come off the road to take care of me, and he got it. He had to go into the hospital, and he didn't make it. 
And they told me on January 14th, he wasn't going to make it. That was my birthday. And I said, don't let him go today. Wait till my girls can get here and say goodbye. And even though he was on a ventilator and he was, he, he could hear me. I know he could hear me. Um, and during the two weeks of being ventilated, we had had prayers here. One morning I stopped by on my way to the hospital and just melted into the floor. And I remember Luke helping me up out of the floor. And then I went to that hospital with renewed strength after stopping here and having the prayers of, of you guys with me. But um, they had taken Randy off the ventilator and my girls and I were holding his hands and each other's over top of him on each side of the bed and we were singing. I raise a hallelujah. And we prayed, and at the end of that prayer, I said, God, please, please, please give me a sign that I know that Randy will be in heaven and I'll see him one day. And I won't always have to worry and wonder. And a nurse popped her head in and she said, excuse me, I'm so sorry, I don't normally do this. But she said, I was Randy's nurse on the night before he was put on the ventilator. And she said he was so scared, which he had told me, I'm not going to come out of here. I already know I'm not coming out. And I kept arguing with him and said, yes, you are. I said, there are people praying for you from coast to coast. You're coming out. But she said that when she asked Randy if he wanted to pray, and he said yes, she said, I'll be right back. And she went and got the other believer that was on shift with her that night. And she said, we had a good prayer, and God was in his room. I know he was in his room. And she said, you have no worries you will see Randy again. And she said, I'm not allowed to say names. But she said, I told my husband about him and my church about him. So she said, don't you give up your hope and your faith. And then six months later, my mom passed. And then his mom passed um, two months later. And the only way I got through, the only way is having this church, my church family, and God's strength. You definitely have to have a firm foundation in the storms of this life. And if you don't, I suggest you, you grab onto it now. Thank you, Debbie. <clears throat> so when I was asked to do this, you know, I immediately you know, thought of a couple situations in my life that I know God had his hand on me and you know, gave me a second chance. <clears throat> 25 years ago, uh, my second semester in school, in college, uh, a tragic car accident involving my four friends, including my best friend from childhood happened. Um, and for some reason, I got out of that car 10 minutes before four of the five guys that were left in that car were killed. Uh, the only explanation that I can give to it is that God pulled me out of that car. Any other night, I would have been right there with them, uh, but God had a bigger plan for me. Uh, fast forward to this year, uh, about 12 months ago, uh, I'd been feeling off for several months, tired all the time, fatigued, just unmotivated to do much at all. Uh, I was in Morgantown for work, and a colleague encouraged me to go to the hospital because uh, I was visibly and physically, you know, just not well. 
uh, after uh, a few hours of convincing me, I left the meeting early and went and got checked out, and I was immediately admitted to, ho to the hospital at Ruby Memorial in Morgantown. Uh, such a you know, scary time, you know, because I wasn't sure what was going on with my health. Of course, some, you know, a million things were running through my mind. Uh, and for any of those you know, folks out there that know anything about hemoglobin and what it should be, you know, mine was a 5.3, which is about a third of what it really should be. Uh, so when I laid in that hospital bed that weekend with my wife, you know, we were you know, feeling scared and had a lot of unknowns. We were praying, asking for answers, and I asked God for a message. And then Aubrey's parents reached out to us that morning and said, hey, you should, you should really watch the, the sermon that you missed. So, um, and it was all about how God puts us through trials to redirect our life and puts you where he needs you to be according to his plan. So my colleague shouldn't have even been there at that meeting. She actually attended the same meeting in our Virginia market two weeks prior to that meeting. And her ride that morning that she was carpooling with uh, actually canceled on her. But something told her that she should still go. Uh, her husband you know, tried to talk her out of not driving by herself, but she still came. And I really believe that God put her there for me. <clears throat> if it wasn't for her encouragement, I might not be here. You know, I was in critical condition, uh, a, a you know, candidate for a major heart attack or major stroke. And even though... Um, you know, that weekend was so scary. You know, going through that is exactly what I needed to get my health in check. And since then, I've certainly renewed my faith and understand the gift that God has given me for another chapter in life. My health is finally back to normal. I, I exercise five or six times a week. Uh, last week, my hemoglobin was 6.6, or 16.6. Um, huge difference from 5.3. And I know God is preparing me and my family for the next chapter. I'm so thankful that I've been through, you know, all of that because without those situations, I'm not sure that I would have the same mentality or perspective in life. And I owe it all to God. God used those two different situations in my life to redirect me and give me a second chance. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful. Thank you, Debbie and Eric. Church storms, they're meant to take no prisoners. Storms aren't picky about, <clears throat> about who they choose. There's storms out there every day that are coming for every single one of us. But church, church, one day that trumpet's gonna sound and the storms are gonna be over. Amen. And you have one or two choices. Are you still gonna be standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Are you gonna be washed away with everything that came during that storm. 
Church, there's going to be one day when that trumpet is blaring, you're not going to have to worry about any more storms in your life. Hey, I get it. My wife and I have been through storms that honestly should have destroyed us. We shouldn't be married. We shouldn't have kids. I shouldn't be a pastor. But those storms that came into our lives, if it was not for the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, our lives will have a different trajectory. Every single one of you guys can relate to that. Every single one of you guys have been in a storm that you look back on it and you're like, how in the world did we ever get through that? Church, I'm going to give you some humility real quick because I need it. You did not get through that storm because of what you did. You got through that storm because of where you stand. You got through that storm because of what you believe. You did not get through that storm because of how strong you are. You did not get through that storm because uh, of how much you know. You got through that storm solely because you stand on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We get confused by this every day. We get confused by, well, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Do you think that was because of you? Do you think that storm wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be because of you? Absolutely not. Storms take no prisoner. Storms are meant to cause havoc. Have you ever saw a storm that there's no wind, no rain, no lightning, no thunder? It's not even called a storm. That's what makes up a storm is when your life gets all uh, jumbled up and things happen in your life that you just can't explain. So we're going to give you the conclusion after the conclusion for the final conclusion. After Jesus was done, he walks off of the hillside. And Matthew writes this in verse 28. He says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Church, in 2023, right before Thanksgiving, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you still amazed by the works and teachings of Jesus Christ? Are you still looking at your life just wondering how things happen? When Jesus spoke and he, he, he poured it all out there and told him exactly who he was, when he walked off that stage, the first response that anyone made was, I'm amazed by what Jesus just said. Church, I give you a challenge every week. My challenge this week is simply this. Are you still amazed by what Jesus Christ is doing? Are you still amazed by what Jesus is getting you through? What Jesus is protecting you from? Are you still amazed by that? If not, your foundation's wrong. Heavenly Father, God, as we come into this moment of time of response, God, my prayer is simply this. My prayer is that everybody here, Lord, that their foundation is you. Their foundation is nothing else, nothing less, that their foundation is simply on you.
God, I know in our lives we just, sometimes in the middle of a storm we choose to give up. God, I know sometimes in a storm when we can't see the end, we just lose hope. God, I thank you for giving us the hope of Jesus Christ in any storm that we're in. God, I thank you for the hope of Jesus Christ in any moment we come into. God, my prayer is if there's anybody in a storm and God, that they're wanting to quit and walk away, God, my prayer is that they have the courage enough to move their foundation, to move it to you and nobody else. Amen. Church, my challenge to you is this. Man, you, we need to stop overcomplicating things. It's cut or dry. Where's your foundation? Is it on Jesus Christ? Is it on your own abilities? Maybe you don't even have a foundation. Maybe you just don't stand for anything. So today during our response, and let me give you some direction on how we do our response. If, if you would like someone to pray with you and Maybe you don't even know what this foundation I'm talking about, what it is. Come over here. Come to the front of the stage or back in that corner. I'll pray with you. We'll also have some of our small group leaders that can share and pray with you as well. Church, I know it's tough sometimes to change our foundation, but I'm telling you it's oh so worth it. Maybe you want to grab your spouse or your kids or And you just want to come up here and spend some alone time with God. I get it. I love being alone with God. Just come up here in these front rows or church. Last thing I want to say today is this. Where are you rooted? Where's your foundation? We need to check our hearts. And we need to find out where that is. Amen. Let's stand.